Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, and I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, um, that wonderful website. And here with me, another contributor at Niner Noise, uh, Chris Wilson. Chris, uh, how are we doing, man? Robert, I am here, present, living in the moment, in this moment alone, <laughs> controlling only the things I can control, quite zen. You're with my puppy, without a care in the world. Yes, um, I yes, I agree. Uh, I, I I just have some uh, one very important question. Uh, what what is this feeling that we're feeling right now? Um, I, I I don't I don't understand it. Uh, I, I uh, we we let, let's be fair. We we were pretty spoiled last year um, in Forty Nine er Land. Um, it was our first year as a podcast, you know, it was my first full season writing for Niner Noise and man, we, we did not do a lot of losing of games last season. Um, and so it is not something that we grew accustomed to. And I, I, I gotta say, I, I, I do not like it very much. <laughs> um, cause, and, and, you know, the worst part is, is we're now on a two game losing streak and that's just not cool. Ooh, um, burn. yeah, I didn't even think about that. I, I, yeah, I, I thought about that immediately on, as I was driving home after the game. I was like, man, we've lost our last two games. And one was in the stinking Super Bowl, which makes the fact that we lost this one probably even worse. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe so. I have no idea. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, not a fan of this. I, and I hope we, we cut this out. And maybe let's not do this anymore um, for, for a little while at this point. I think that's... That'd be my recommendation. Yeah, I'd be fine with the entire season, but at this point, I'm like, have it like a quarter of good play. Like that'd be nice. Fifteen and one with the Super Bowl championship at the end sounds really good to me. I like it. Mm-hmm. So it is written. So it shall be, or something like that. All right. Um, well, we are going to get into more detail about the negative things that happened during that game. Um, but before we get started on that, before we get into the the nastiness, well, actually, unfortunately, this beginning stuff isn't really all that great either. Uh, let's be fair. Um, we got a few news notes uh, before we get too deep into it. So 
the 49ers are, in fact, after some hints from Kyle Shanahan, but they are, in fact, bringing in veteran wide receiver Mohamed Sanu, um, who was, of course, famously with Shanahan in Atlanta. And I know you have some thoughts about that because you usually do. Yeah, I don't mind it as much midseason because it's probably positive. <laughs> he was <laughs> traded to uh, New England last season right before the trade deadline, right around the same time when uh, the 49ers brought in Emmanuel Sanders. He had a really rough time in New England during that period. And the conversation was at that period that the Niners were either in on Sanu or Sanders. Ended up going with Sanders. Probably made the right decision in that particular case. Yeah, they definitely did. There's really no comparison between the two. <laughs> they ended up getting Sanu anyway at this point. Um, I don't think we've heard any information on how much money it is. I imagine it's probably a veteran minimum with maybe some bonuses for things, you know, because they don't have a ton of money. Uh, splashing around it's it's probably not a like a flashy contract outside of the fact that i think shanahan talked about him during his press conference we haven't actually seen any like official from the team or at least i don't remember that i have seen it so you know (laughs) i assume that since shanahan was talking about him that he's (laughs) officially a member of the team but we haven't seen like any photographs or anything like that to prove that he's actually part of it yet he's that exciting of a signing that's not even necessary I, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Pop and circumstance, baby. I mean, given what we got on uh, Sunday from our wide receiver group, like, could it get much worse at this point? I don't think so. No, it, it absolutely couldn't. I, you know, last year, as I'm sure you remember, I'm like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Like, Emmanuel Sanders or Mohamed Sanu, this is not a question. And now I'm like, does Sanu try? Does he want to play football? He does? Well, can we please sign him and let him play football? I mean, that's where we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I think this week will be very interesting. I think, obviously, like I said, he was with Shanahan in Atlanta, so he probably has a pretty decent understanding of the scheme and all those things. So he'll probably be able to slide in pretty nicely into the into the offense. Um, and if nothing else, he'll provide the quote-unquote veteran presence that is not at all a part of this wide receiver group. I think what is Kendrick Bourne up to this point was the, the longest tenured player in the NFL in the wide receiver room. Yeah, he also makes most money too, so... Yeah, yeah. well, so it may be a little rough still with just Bourne and Sanu and, and Taylor um, and maybe Ayuk on, on Sunday. It's looking like he's in line to play. Please, please. He was practicing today, as was Ben Garland. So, you know, you know we're moving in a direction. Um, but I think the best part is is that once Debo's back, once Ayuk is up to speed, that Sanu will be a nice third option, and that is what we should expect him to be. <laughs> at this point in his life. He's, what, 31, 32 years old, something like that. So Yeah, I don't think we should be expecting any more than that of him, except in maybe the next couple of weeks where we will expect for him to receive all of the potential targets from Grappolo because we have no one else to throw the ball to. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Well, unfortunately, the news continues, but it's not great news. Got the news that uh, Richard Sherman is being placed on IR, which, of course, this season means that he has to miss at least three games, uh, meaning he'll miss both games against the New York teams and then the Miami Dolphins in uh, week four. I don't mean any disrespect to those teams. Well, maybe a little disrespect to those teams. But if, if you got to lose your you know all-pro cornerback, it's not really a bad stretch of the season to lose him. And it's uh, reportedly, I think, a calf strain that might be somewhat related to the Achilles injury that he suffered a couple of seasons ago. We don't know exactly, but just I think it's sort of one of those like rest it up and get ready kind of thing. 
and he would be allowed to return to the team for the week six game against the Rams, which is a Sunday night game. So even get him an extra day on the, on the back end of that as well. Um, so uh, that's not until October 18th, but like I said, uh, the Jets, the Giants, and the Dolphins are not really a bad stretch of games. Still, really need your like top defensive backs in place. Now, um, unfortunately, the cornerback position specifically uh, gets worse. Um, Akella Witherspoon is apparently in the concussion protocol. I don't know how he barely was on the field at all <laughs> on Sunday. So how he sustained a concussion, I have no earthly idea. Jason Brett still a question mark with the hamstring injury. Um, I have no idea if he's going to be available. He was a scratch on Sunday, obviously. Maybe he'll he'll be out there. Who knows? But that means that Dante Johnson is definitely playing this weekend. And of course, he had a little bit of a rough experience on the punt team last week. Whether or not it was his fault or not, he was de- he was in the middle of, of the punt block situation. I'd um, argue that it was. It also may mean that he has to actually play like on defense, which is not really what you want either. We've been down that road. We have seen that movie in it. It was actually okay for a little while, but has not been for a long time. So too much of that is maybe not what you want. But ideally, you know, Witherspoon will be fine and he'll, you know, get through the concussion protocol and he'll be the one starting opposite Mosley on Sunday. And that would probably be the best case scenario. Um, The team also signed Ken Webster um, along with Brian Allen and Christian Angulo uh, to the practice squad um, because Tim Harris is being put on the practice squad injured reserve list. The one shot that he had. <laughs> uh, yeah, my thought is, first of all, that's just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, second of all, uh, if Tim Harris isn't waived in the next couple of weeks, I will be pretty surprised because he was on IR all last year. And if this is sort of a long-term injury, then there's no point in holding on to him at this juncture and uh, you know just reach a settlement and move on. So, uh, Chris, uh, what in the world is going on with all this stuff, man? This is too much. I, I just need to like take a break after going through all that stuff. You can just take a nap while I complain for the next two hours. Well, <laughs> I think we should first hope that Dante Johnson can cover better than he can block, which would be close to impossible otherwise. And yeah, I don't think it was hundred percent his fault, but he did a fantastic job of having three guys coming at him and blocking none of them. He could have stopped that from being a blocked punt by just blowing the first guy up. But he instead just sort of backtracked and didn't really block anybody. That happens a lot when there are multiple guys going through a hole and it's like, oh, who do I block? And then you end up blocking nobody. I think it actually happened once to uh, Kittle when Grapple got sacked, where he was supposed to be blocking two guys because the rest of the offensive line was on the other side of the field on some fake or something like that. And you just end up blocking nobody because you just can't choose one. Or you need to be decisive there and you just need to pick one guy. And, you know, it's, it's like bowling. You know, you just need to hit him so hard that he knocks the other guy down <laughs> and, or just at least, you know, makes him sidestep him enough for right. uh, my man Mitch to get the ball off. But instead, yeah. he just totally failed. And that's a new position for him to be in. He wasn't playing there last year. At least uh, I don't remember him playing there. So it's something he's got to learn because that was a fail on his behalf and it was a fail on the offensive line in general. Yeah, I was going to say Nelson doesn't get off completely on that either. And I think, as if I remember correctly, not only Kyle Nelson, but I think Dre Greenlaw is in the middle there too, but he's on the sort of coverage portion of of things. But you got to think that part of his responsibility is to like 
make contact with one of those guys coming through the the center. Um, And yeah, getting down to cover the kick is one thing, but if the guy is coming through and and you are leaving your, your teammate to block two people at the same time, um, probably not what you want. (laughs) Definitely not by design, but usually they have somebody a little bit bigger in that spot, like a safety or something like that. Somebody who actually hit somebody as opposed to get hit and run over. So I'll just take a second to recap last week. <laughs> Must we? It was our first preseason game of 2020. Shanahan decided against uh, devising a game plan that was uh, destined for victory. Instead, he chose to challenge his team after Super Bowl loss, test their ability to thrive under unnecessary pressure and extremely grave circumstances, like on offense, just removing all of their viable wide receivers, just take them off the field. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, let's just throw the ball to the running backs, and maybe some tight ends. wasn't really a plan, actually. Well, it's certainly not a good plan. This is assuming they had a plan. Or we could just leave them on the field, just doing nothing and wasting space. And then let's just start a center I've never heard of before, because I'd literally never heard of this guy before. Was he on the practice squad or something? Like Yes, 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 yes. Okay, all right. So you probably talked about him previously. I knew nothing about him other than he has a fun name. So I approve of that. And he wasn't horrible when he was pass blocking, but... Right. The way that the Niners usually pass block, the center really doesn't do anything. He just stands there and looks stupid. And he did a very good job of doing that. So he was not very good in the run game. And well, in fairness, nobody was. <laughs> yeah, I guess we had you know, Trent Williams, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. when you're when your best uh, pass blockers for the day, according to PFF, are your left tackle, your fullback, and a slot wide receiver, that's <laughs> usually not what very you nice. Want. <laughs> Who's a slot wide receiver? I'm, I'm hoping it was Trent Taylor, not Richie James. Trent Taylor. <laughs> Trent Taylor. Uh, yeah. boy. <laughs> Good old Trent. Can't find that first down marker, but he sure can't block. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on defense, because that's not enough. You're just playing one of your top opponents in the NFC West. So on defense, they went with an interesting game plan. And it's a scheme similar to what you've seen whenever Salah is up against a top wideout who plays on a team that does not have any other really decent wide receivers who are under the age of 50. And they just don't cover the guy. They just basically allow the very inaccurate quarterback to look at his number one receiver, who's one of the best receivers in the NFL. And you could just rewind to last year. How many times have we see that from various wide receivers like Julio Jones, who just get targeted, 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 and we just don't pay him any attention. Devontae Adams, a couple times. And then Sherman eventually got so upset about it that he had to take it upon himself to single up on Adams because he just kept owning who was attempting to cover him. So... You have uh, a Kyler Murray who's looking at Hopkins. If Hopkins is covered somehow, because it probably because he ran himself into coverage, then he doesn't throw it to him and he scrambles. And if he is open, then he throws it to him. And that's basically it. There's that is the Cardinals' entire offense. And the 49ers coaching staff devised a horrible game plan for that <laughs> defending the inset. Probably like the worst possible game plan to defend against that and just let. Murray run up and down the field, and they let Hopkins run up and down the field uncovered, and they lost the game. So the Cardinals are not a very good football team right now. They have talent that will probably be good in the future. They have some talent like DeAndre, who is current elite talent, and that is about it on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they have Larry Fitzgerald, who is grandfather age, and they have... Christian Kirk, who's sort of in a bust, and, and you know, they, ha- they have some wide receivers that are supposedly okay, but yeah. we shouldn't see a lot of them. Yeah, so if you screw enough things up, 
And with what now seems to be weekly assistance from the refs. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on, but it, at times it felt like Super Bowl 2.0. Yeah. I mean, we can make any team look good enough and we can have any team beat us. Yeah. So, what, yeah, the way the Niners planned for that game over the entire offseason, <laughs> prepare for that game over the entire offseason and execute it, if you want to call it that, on Sunday, they can lose to any team in the NFL. Sure. Yeah. And the problems start at the top. So, I'll get into all that. But that's what's going on. I'm sure you will. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I think, as you as you mentioned, uh, this was a not a, a not a very good game, and and even you know the Cardinals who won the game didn't. I wouldn't argue that they played well. Um, it was just they just happened to make plays at better times than the than the Niners did, and and you know they won the game twenty four to twenty, um, and so they get to start the season one and zero, and the Niners get to start the season zero and one. Um, I think one of the more frustrating parts for me is that it, it it started off really well. Like, you know, the <laughs> the Niners jumped out to a 10-0 lead. You know, they drove the ball most, you know, almost all the way down the field, got a 3-0 lead, you know, shut the Cardinals down, punted, they punted the ball, one play, Garoppolo to Mostert, he, you know, scampers down the field, picked on poor Isaiah Simmons a couple of times, you know, made it, made him look like the rookie at fish out of water that he was. Um, and, and it looked like they were in control. And then that block, that block punt that, that, that we were talking about before just feels like it flips some sort of weird, bizarro world switch, um, because they blocked the punt, they scored a touchdown like one or two plays later. Um, and it was 10 to seven and the Niners never really got themselves looking right again. You know, they obviously scored more points throughout the game, but even on the, the one touchdown drive that they had from there on, they got a correctly called pass interference thing, but it was just sort of one of those, you know, Garoppolo saw that it was definitely going to be interference because I don't remember who it was, Richie James, maybe Trent Taylor. I think it was Trent Taylor was, you know, like triple covered. But Wasn't it McKinnon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was McKinnon. You're right. Um, yeah. But he saw that McKinnon was getting bull rushed by a linebacker who wasn't paying attention to what was happening Yeah, and got that penalty, which worked out. But even when they scored, you were kind of like, okay, they did, but eh, it was kind of ugly, an ugly score, if you will. I feel like every one of the Cardinals scores was an ugly score. It, yeah, it yeah, came off sure. of you know some kind of freak play or imaginary penalty after imaginary penalty after imaginary penalty. So <laughs> you got to protect those little quarterbacks. They cannot protect themselves. And I, I was complaining about the entire game all over Twitter. I'm sure as you saw, and everywhere anyone else who would listen <laughs> in like a 25 mile radius that they really need to control these rushing quarterbacks because they are just playing the refs and the way that they. You know, yeah. they'll slow down and they'll take like eight steps to slide and you never know when they're going to slide and when they're not going to slide. And then as a defender, as soon as you make a move towards them or if you dive at them, you know, crazy as that would sound, to dive at a football player who has the ball, then they just quickly slide. And then I think there's one of the penalties, like he wasn't even touched and it's a 15-yard penalty. and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, over his head. it's just absurd. And like the refs, like these are intelligent human beings. Like you should be able to figure this out. And the NFL, you got to do something about this because I know you love running quarterbacks. I know it's like the NFL's thing, but you're giving them an unfair advantage. And you're only doing it with certain players too. Because, you know, if a non running quarterback were to do that, if Jimmy were to do that and he gets blasted like he did 
on, on this one run, there was no penalty. Nope. Yeah. And nope. I mean, if that had happened the other way around, there may have been an ejection. There's no question that would have been penalized. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins was ready to start a fight every time there was any any decent amount of contact. But the silver lining, if there is one, um, and I think there there probably are several silver linings, if you will, it's is that it's week one, um, and I, I think there the last week's last year's week one game was seemed bright and shiny because they won. Um, but if you recall, the only reason, the main reason they won that game is because Jameis Winston, you know, lofted them two airmailed uh, touchdowns uh, and wrapped them up and handed them to them. And, and that's basically how they won the game. Um, the offense was kind of iffy at different points. And um, it, it, but then, you know, they got into, into, week two and everything sort of straightened itself out and it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, the, the, the main difference here is they didn't get away with it is that the Cardinals were good enough to not let them get away with it. Whether or not they're a good football team or whatever is another thing altogether. Um, but at this point, you know, we're Oh, and one, it's not the end of the world. And, uh, I think we just need to, to hopefully, uh, stew on it a little bit longer and then, move on <laughs> that that is my plan i'm definitely not doing a good job of following the 24-hour rule <laughs> it's definitely lingering but yeah, yeah. hopefully I, I can move on whenever i finally get my all 22 if that happens at any time this year maybe it will maybe it won't who knows maybe it will well let's allow this podcast to, to then be therapy so that we can move on then that's i think that's that's a great idea anyone um, I mean, that, that's all it really is for me every week so <laughs> i like it <laughs> it's the um, only time i get to com- complain about everyone else when everyone else is normally complaining about me so excellent excellent so um we are now going to move on uh to everyone's favorite segment uh making its triumphant return we have one up and one down uh something that we didn't get to do during the off season because there was nothing going on and so we just sort of talked about things in different ways but um just to kind of remind those listeners from last season and for people who might be new this season uh, essentially, the goal is to try to to discuss the game through the lens of one player or units, theoretically, uh, that had a good game and one that did not. The main question that we have to tackle in this particular case is, will Chris be able to limit himself to just one player or unit or item or thing throughout the game in the one-up, one-down category? Or will he break the rule that is stated in the name itself, the very name itself, um, and and just do whatever he wants. So there's the question. I think until we have bylaws, I'm just going <laughs> to continue to break them. So it is strongly unlikely that I, I, I could potentially limit it to one team. <laughs> but, but actually, I don't think I'm even going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, so for, for the downs, I will be limited because week two starts in just a couple of days. So I only have so much time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So... And I really don't have a lot of ups, so can I trade my up for like 15 downs? No. Okay. No. Okay. No. Fortunately not. But thanks for thanks for asking, though. I appreciate your the question. You are the authority. You talk first on the podcast, that therefore you are in charge. Uh, that's right. That's all I need to do is figure out who can make these bylaws, so I can actually get something done around here. That that would be the that's the ideal situation. <laughs> who do I talk to about getting these bylaws written? That's that's my goal for the next week. But anyway, anybody who knows, ignore that question, please. 
<laughs> All right. So we're going to start with the ups because we like to be positive here on the Niner Noise podcast. And we really do like to be positive. It's like we really do. But it's hard sometimes and we only have so much to work with. So don't blame us. We do what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. We do. We do like to be positive here on the Niner Noise podcast. That is true. Um, so, Chris, I'm going to let you go first with your up for the game. You tell me. What are you excited about? What went well for the Niners in, in that game? I won't say excited, but I will I'll make it short. Trent Williams, good at football, still good at football, especially when healthy. Picked up right where Staley left off. He was good in both phases. He had a couple of lazy plays. Otherwise, he looks like the study was back in our nation's capital. And I'm glad that we picked him up. Yes. And that's all I have to say about that. Those are all my ups. Nice. And uh Thoughts and prayers to the to the Arizona Cardinals middle linebacker. Who oh my goodness! Soul has been removed from his body by Trent Williams. Go to Twitter and find Trent Williams. And there's a video circulating of him blowing up the poor middle linebacker for the Cardinals. I thought it was poor Isaiah Simmons for a second, but then I realized he was not the guy. Then I, I would have felt like super <laughs> bad for him if that was. Not only did he get like torched a couple of times. I mean, Simmons already had like four or five Welcome <laughs> to the NFL moments. I don't think he needed any more. But I, actually, I, I have a, a copy of that I think I might have already tweeted, but I, I will retweet it. So follow me on Twitter and I will put that out there. It's awesome. Again, I don't know who it was, but that poor fellow. It's That's like destiny, though. Yeah. I think if you're standing there and Trent Williams is running after you, <laughs> like just, I don't know, like dive on the ground or something. I don't even know if he would have had time to think about it it was just like oh my goodness or just start crying i don't know please don't kill me <laughs> sorry sir <laughs> whatever i did i'm so sorry yeah maybe call him sir maybe that'll help <laughs> somehow i think he's not listening well that's going on but that's just me um all right so cool so that's an up well well okay. done nice that's the fastest you've ever talked about anything in the podcast in a, in a well, year i'm saving it <laughs> oh i i'm sure you are i'm sitting back i'm ready to go all right, so uh, my up, uh, and this guy I think you know probably could have been awarded an up uh, on multiple occasions at various times last year and was probably like the one player that was pretty much an up every game, and if we had decided we wanted to give it to him every game, we could have. And that is uh, Nick Bosa, who, um, you know, he, he didn't have one of those like stat-filling games in terms of... Uh, like he didn't get a sack, but if you watch the game, even live while it was happening, you just saw that he was just wrecking guys um, and just destroying everything that was happening. You know, I feel bad for the the offensive line. No, not really, but I feel a little bad for for them that it was it was rough, man. It's it's a rough. He he seems to have gotten better than he was last year, which is incredible because he was just excellent last year. Lots going on. His uh, PFF grade for uh, this game was an 84.7 overall, including 81.5 in run defense, which is actually really excellent because if I think if there was somewhere in his game that's maybe not as high a quality, I think you could make the argument that his run defense is probably something that needs, you know, that needed work. And he seems to at least have started off well now that, you know, they're, I don't know if this is the best gauge because uh pff i don't think in, uh, includes uh scrambles in the run defense so some of that is kind of sketchy but i i, I wouldn't pin a lot of that on on bosa anyway um five total pressures uh one qb hit four hurries and five tackles um and as i said i i 
I just don't think you can pin a lot of the Murray running around stuff on him. His job is to, you know, kind of attempt to pin the quarterback in the pocket, and then the other guys need to help kind of sweep up the garbage, as it were. And I, I think that there was some misses other places that were causing the problems uh, with with Murray, and I would definitely say that wouldn't that wasn't a Bosa thing in in my estimation. Yeah. Um, like I said, he didn't get a sack. And what reason? He was also getting tackled a lot. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that doesn't help. And then that one super, super quick pressure he had, Murray was just lucky he had a quick exit opportunity to to hit his hot receiver right there because that, I mean, yeah, I, I was shocked that he didn't get a sack on that play because he was on Murray in like a second and a half. It was unbelievable. I mean, he was just, yeah. it's like the left tackle wasn't even playing. Yeah. Like, didn't know the snap count or something like that, but he did. It was quite a move by us. And if he gets better, that is something I can get excited about. For sure. Yeah, and, and he's definitely one to watch for over the next couple of weeks with some teams that have struggling offensive lines, to put it lightly. Um, also, quick shout-out as I break my own rule. Jarek McKinnon um, played his first NFL snap in almost a 1,000 days. Yeah. that That's nuts. It was 900 and something. I actually saw today that he hadn't scored a touchdown in a 1,015 days when he scored a touchdown on Sunday. Right. So good to see him out on the field. I think they didn't utilize him as much as I was hoping that they would. Um, but he, when he had the ball in his hands, you could definitely see what Shanahan sees in him. And there, there was, he was quick and, and, and elusive and, and tough to bring down. And, and unfortunately he needed one half more yard and all of these things would have been fine. Cause he would have scored a touchdown right before Mostert was stopped or not stopped on the half stop. yard line. Stop. Yeah, but well, but if Mo, if uh, McKinnon had scored there, then we wouldn't have to worry about it. Or if it. the refs just knew what constituted a touchdown. Uh, so if he had had one half more yard in the game, then it would have been fine. But, you know, good for him. Good to see him on the field. It was a, a tough two-year stretch, So, but great to see him out there. So that is my up. Chris, I now give you the floor for down where you are you're definitely going to break the rule like 100%. Oh, there's absolutely no question. There's literally just too much. (laughs) And as our joke was last year, that was an actual intentional use of the word literally. (laughs) But there is too much to talk about in a podcast that's not supposed to go over an hour, but does anyway. (sighs) So where to start? At the end of the game, I immediately doled out general blame by percentage for the 49ers abysmal loss and I attributed 40% to the 49ers coaching staff, 20% to the 49ers players, 20% to just a couple players from the Cardinals because they really only had a couple players who were doing most of the damage, 20% to the refs who at times just would not stop until Arizona got into the end zone. They just wouldn't stop. The Cardinals are going to score and it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to score. And we've seen this before, and I don't like it. If anything, do it for us. Stop doing it against us. Or do it like fairly. But just don't do it at all. Just ref it down the middle. I feel like we would be a lot better off if games were just ref right down the middle. But they are not. And we've felt the brunt of it these last two losses, for sure. That Even as bad as the Niners play, if the refs call this game evenly, sadly, I think the 49ers still would have won it. <laughs> But the refs couldn't manage to do that. They missed a lot of easy calls. And 
pretty much most of the subjective calls, <laughs> including most of your touchdown. I mean, he was in the end zone. It was just, I assume that the ref at the goal line just couldn't see the pile, so he just guessed incorrectly. Part of it was Mostert's fault in that he started driving down before he made contact, but he kept his knee off the ground. And maybe he thought he was going to get hit before he did, but if he just stayed upright, he would have gotten in the end zone easily. But since he sort of, I don't think he stumbled, but I think he was just really trying to get lower than the defender. And he stayed low, but he he wasn't on the ground. And then he was clearly on the end zone. And It looked that way to me, too. Oh, I've freeze frame the tape and it's pretty easy to tell he's in the end zone and they should be looking at the same tape i don't know i mean like i don't know how you missed that like you could see it fairly obviously so i don't know who knows yeah i think the problem was they called it not a touchdown on the field which made it hard to overturn because there was the camera angles were horrible speaking of that that's something that the nfl needs to fix because there should be an equal number of cameras on the field, no matter whether it's a game of the week or if it's just a random football game because it affects the game. And then I gave 0% to Cliff Kingsbury's socks. I don't think he was wearing socks. I guess he forgot them. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. I did not. Did you, did you see the thing? We, we have a, we have a, um, like a chat thing going on in, for on Niner Noise during the game, and I meant I asked the question, uh, "What rave was Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury attending after the game?" Because his sunglasses and his all black outfit, he he looked like he was he was going to party after. See, after I the thought game. Leisure Suit Larry bedtime look, right? Like <laughs> going to his closet, and all he has are these like silk <laughs> outfits. But then, like for some reason, he saw sunglasses on, and he gets into bed. For our, our older. Listeners who know who Loser Suit Larry is. It was either going to be a long night or it had been a long night. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he was yeah. really, really hungover. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he was just really confused at what winning looked like. He's not very familiar with that. Yeah, it's new. Thought maybe it would damage his eyes to an eclipse. That feels like a thing he would do. We saw his house. We know what type of guy he is in that regard. His whole persona is just very difficult to like him. So I'll just go over all those. I'm not going to go over his socks anymore maybe he, he was wearing some small socks but i have a feeling he was not wearing socks because that's that's just who he is and ugh. yeah yeah i don't know and I, I don't hate him he's just not a very good coach he's a decent offensive coach but he's not a very good head coach which is proven in college and somehow he outcoached shanahan yesterday so what does that tell us about him so let's get right into the coaches so this is one of Shannon and Sal's worst performances to date because they had all offseason to prepare and it doesn't seem like they paid any attention to football all offseason. I think you and I paid more attention to football this offseason than they did because they didn't learn a thing from all their mistakes last year. They didn't prepare to win this game. And they were like unbelievably unprepared when their game plan went further south when Kittle went down. So it's like, oh my God, like a backup plan? Basically, they had decided if Kittle goes down in this game you know there's nothing we can do we just can't move the ball and we don't have any wide receivers we don't have any players who can make any plays and we just don't care i mean i'm sure they're not thinking that they're just not thinking and they're just you know, assuming that Kittle's not going to go down but just prepare a little bit more come on go on, guys like just step it up you guys supposed to be like the best in the biz went to super bowl last year you've had ample time to prepare for week one and blowing out a bad Cardinals team instead 
you got beat by Battle Cross team. So what does that make you? So, Shani, this is a real game. This was not the preseason. Maybe you didn't get the memo. Are we sure? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wish. And I wish I were living in that alternate universe because we played like it was a preseason game. So your top five offensive receiving targets can't be running backs and tight ends. You're allowed to use wide receivers in the NFL. And you're well aware of this. You used them in the past. And I know you love heavy sets. We weren't even using heavy sets, really. They were just throwing guys out there and throwing wide receivers out there who didn't seem to know what they were doing. And I don't know what got into Trent Taylor and why you can't figure out where the first down marker is anymore because I thought he had a back injury and then, or a foot injury and then a back injury. And then ne- never did I hear it was a head injury. You know? No, I think you're right. The first, the, the first, yeah, the yeah, first time it was yeah. back injuries. Yeah, so, foot injury. but either way, it, it, all those injuries are, are far away from his head. So find the first time marker, bro. So put some NFL caliber wide receivers on the field because the Niners didn't have any. I mean, maybe Kendrick Bourne because he's paid so much. You can say he's NFL caliber. He's getting paid like an NFL caliber wide receiver. Whether he plays like one. And I have finally come to terms with the fact that Kyle Shanahan is incapable of making the correct decisions on fourth downs. He never has and he never will. And the only way that the 49ers under Shanahan will ever make the right decisions on fourth downs is if he has somebody tell him what to do. Because <laughs> he just can't figure it out. I mean, I, I went through all of his fourth down calls. You know, outside of the last one, he had seven. He made the quote-unquote correct decision twice out of seven times. Kicked the field goal when he should have gone for it. He putted when he should have gone for it. He went for it on the one and he didn't get it. So now he's probably never going to do the right thing. He punted again when he should have gone for it. He kicked a field goal when he should have gone for it. One time he actually punted when he should have. So it's like like the one positive uh, fourth down play. And then again he punted when he should have gone for it. And this kind of stuff is, it's not entirely established like as it's going to work, you know, um, over the course of a season. But if you do the right thing enough, then you're going to be successful more often than you're not. And you're just really holding the team back from scoring more points. And think about how bad the Niners have been. I mean, I mean it's not like they've been horrible, but how bad they've been in the red zone compared to other parts of the field. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Shanahan just doesn't know what's going on because he knows he's going to kick a field goal on fourth down, even when he shouldn't, he's playing three down football instead of four down football. And he's calling plays that are detrimental to the team. And because of that, they're not moving the ball the way they should. And they're not putting themselves in good positions to go for and fourth and one. And even him playing, you know, three down football, they're still putting themselves in situations where they should be going for it on fourth and two and fourth and one or fourth and three, but he just doesn't do it. So until he figures that out, which I don't think he, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly just don't think he will. I don't think he's going to figure it out until either somebody above him tells him to stop doing what he's doing, or he hires some consultant who tells him what to do because everything else is just too much for him. And I don't see his pride allowing him to do that. So enough with him for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Defense. And actually, I, Shanahan plays a role in this too. Sala and Shanahan have a wide receiver one problem. And this was widely reported when Shanahan came to San Francisco and we didn't have a number one wide out, even though we tried to pay Curly to be the number one wide out and then cut him after paying him. It was Garcon. Garcon. 
No, I'm talking about before that. When, remember, remember Jeremy, Jeremy Curley? Like Curley was yeah, gone. Remember when we paid him and he never played it down and we just cut him? Oh, like that was before Shanahan, wasn't it? That's exactly how dumb it was. Shanahan signed him to a multi-year contract and then cut him. That was Shanahan. Oh, yeah. Just like we paid uh, Vance McDonald all that money and then we just trade him away for nothing. Yeah. It's like because money grows in trees. It, do- it doesn't. It sort of did it back then because yeah. it had been so cheap for so long. So Shanahan wants to pretend that they're not important, but they are important. <laughs> and that was demonstrated by the 49ers loss last week because they were owned by one Blair and one Blair alone. And that was Jandre Hopkins because he's a wide receiver one and they paid him no attention. They just treated him like any other player on the field. And even Kyler Murray will be able to take advantage of that. And Kyler Murray is not known for his accuracy, but if he throws the ball somewhere near Gander Hopkins, Hopkins is going to catch the ball. And if you don't cover him at all, he's definitely going to catch the ball. And he was also gifted a first down on one of the drives when he was a, like a yard and a half short, but whatever. But, you know, if you keep throwing those balls to him, he's going to just keep eating you up. And was it he had 16 targets, I think, and like what, 14 receptions? So he had more receptions than the entire rest of the team. Yeah. A career high 14 receptions, yeah. by the way. You cannot allow one player on the opposing team to have more receptions than the entire rest of the team. If you were allowing that to happen and it's not, you know, there's not some dump off because it wasn't, he had over 150 yards that you are failing at your job and Salah, you failed at your job and it's not a whoever problem. It's not, it's not a Mosley problem. It's not a <laughs> Jimmy Ward problem. It's not a, uh, who else are they blaming it on a green law problem or whatever. It's a coaching problem. Just cover the one guy. Just cover him. I mean, even Sherman knows, and Sherman shows you so little respect that, you know, he did what he did with Green Bay a couple of years ago and just took, you know, I can't remember who it was. It was a guy who was just like thrown into action, who was trying to cover Devontae Adams and was just like, it was like a you know, comedy show. It was like me trying to cover him. <laughs> so he eventually just shoved him off me and was like, I'm going to cover this guy, even though he's twice as fast as I am. And like, Salah's got to be making that decision and Salah's got to see this. It's just like basic, basic coaching. And it's the kind of coaching that you get when you promote a coach who's learning and you give him that important assignment of being the defensive coordinator and you have Shani, I'm sure, whispering in his ear that wide receiver ones aren't a thing and then you just don't cover them. So just for fun and giggles, because this is a G-rated podcast, just looking at some of the higher-rated wide receivers the Niners have faced in the last but year and one week, we have five wide receivers who have over 120 yards against the Niners in 2019 and then a couple games in, in 2020, uh, one of them being a playoff game and then one of them being uh, earlier this week. So we have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Tyler Boyd. <laughs> Wait, did you just put Tyler Boyd in the group with Julio Jones? And <laughs> he's obviously like a, a step down, but but there there's a point for it. Okay, I I'll, I trust Plus, you. He's pretty good. Okay, so like, who is the number two wide receiver on all these teams? Can you tell me. Well, Tyler Boyd is probably the wide receiver two on his own team because AJ Green is still was he was not playing in that game, but he is. Yeah, last year. Yeah. I'd take him over A.J. Green right now. 
Tyler Bro's pretty good, man. He's not bad. I I know, but on his own team currently, he is not. A long time since AJ Green's been as good as Boyd was last year. Um, I, well, you know what? If you really want to, we can throw out Tyler Boyd's ten targets and ten receptions for 122 yards if you want to. And we can we can focus on the other four well, guys. Also, how much of that was how much of that was garbage time because that they got destroyed in that game. But anyway, I think it was Ross that had that that garbage time long touchdown where guys like was it more was like bouncing off dudes. Okay, okay, you know what? We'll forget about his ten for ten targets. Yeah, Jandre Hopkins. Who's his number two? Fitzgerald. He's fifty. Yeah. Who's Devante Adams? Number two. Nobody. Uh, Jordan Love. Who? Oh, sorry. Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> who, who's who's Michael Thomas? Who, sorry, who was Michael Thomas's number two last year? Uh, Ted Ginn. Exactly. <laughs> who who was Julio Jones's number two last year? I couldn't even begin to tell you. Uh, was it? Well, it was Mohamed Sanu for, but not when we played them. But it was before that. How how is Julio Jones getting twenty targets in a game? This is really good. <laughs> yeah, but why is he catching all of them and then having 134 yards and beating us and scoring two touchdowns? Yes, okay, that that's really the problem. Like you, if it's fine if you, if there are 20 targets, it's really the how many receptions are there is really the thing. Yeah, it's like the 49ers play better when they play teams with more good wide receivers, which is crazy. But all of those players play on teams where they have nothing behind their number one wide receiver. I mean, we have a hard time even like, like who, like, you know, Ted Ginn, like a guy that we just tossed in the NFL recycle bin like years and years and years ago. And is only known for his speed and drops out the balls that thrown near him. And compared to Michael Thomas, he's nobody. This is a huge problem. And Hopkins, 14 for 16. Dante Adams, nine for 11. And, and that's, you know, Dante Adams is substantial. Michael Thomas, 11 catches. Julio Jones, 13 catches. And then Tyler Boyd, you know, he doesn't count, but he still has 10 catches for on 10 targets. It's, it's just like, why are we not covering their number one wide receivers? Because we don't do it. Because we do not have game plan to do it. Because we don't know how to do it. Or Salah doesn't care to do it. And we lose football games because of that. We lost what, two of those four games. And we were lucky to win one of the other ones. But... Over the last year, how many games have we lost? <laughs> I mean, that's a considerable percentage of those games. We're, we're at five now over the last year, by the way. And two of those times were in situations where I just picked them out randomly as, as guys who had a lot of yards and didn't have somebody who was a clear-cut number two. And those teams just kill us. And why can't we figure this out? Like, why are you and I talking about it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you're, I, you're like I, I don't know. Like, I, I forgot. Care. Are we still talking about this? Hmm. Well, I'm talking about it. No, no, no. I, I no. I say I know what you're saying. It's just it's one of those yeah those things. It's just it's, the incompetence, and I can't stand it. And I, I can't remember if I tweeted in the game or not. But I was thinking, I was just like, I, I wish that Salah was a little bit better, so that some other team would just take him, and we could put somebody in there who had more experience. And I really like Salah in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, his mid-game adjustments need a lot of work, and his prevent defense is horrible. But one way I did not like the way that he calls the defense is against number one wide receivers, and I can't see how anyone in the world could possibly like the way that he calls his defense against number one wide receivers other than the opposing coach. So Salah and Shanahan need to realize, or Salah needs to maybe stand his ground. If, I mean, I don't know if Salah believes this or not, but... 
I mean, you can't have guys running free through, down the field like Julio Jones was on that final drive. And it's just like, just I'm sick of yelling at the TV, like, cover Julio Jones. And it's like, everyone knows who Julio Jones is. Like Everybody in the world knows who Julio Jones is. Why are we not covering him? It's, you know, it's, it's like, this guy is like, you know, who's a wide receiver is a more household name than him? And why is he running free through our defense? <laughs> and why are we not triple covering him when they have no one else? You know, they got a bunch of tight ends or whatever. So, anyway. so how does that make you feel? <sighs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I do feel better. I do feel better. So thanks for that. So, yeah. So whenever the 49ers play wide receiver once, they get hosed. So luckily we're not playing one this next week. So maybe we won't lose. <laughs> and the Cardinals, I, I know they do have some other viable, quote unquote, viable options, but I don't know where they were because they didn't do anything because there was no need to because you just throw Hopkins because he was open all day long. So thanks a lot for that trade. <laughs> Really appreciate that. Yep. Could have traded Russ. We would have given you nothing too. Really Kevin wanted. Coleman and a sandwich. So, number two, the 49ers. Oh, gracious. Yeah. Let's talk about some of these players that we were expecting so much of this year. Practice squad rules. I'm not totally clear on you know, the whole unprotected and protected thing because, well, honestly, I just really haven't researched it that much. I'm waiting for Jason Fitzgerald to do all the work so I can just read the book. But can we get Pettis on the practice squad? Um, theoretically, yes, he would have to be released, and then, I mean, the 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 basic rule still applies, where they'd have to release him, he'd have to clear waivers, and then yes, yeah, so I have to look at his contract to see that's that's doable. And yeah, I'm not really sure contractually how that would work. I think it would be really complicated to release him, but I can look at that. If we could sign the private squad and then keep him unprotected, so anyone else can take him. And pay for a salary, please. Because I really had high hopes for him this year. And he seemed like he manned up. He seemed like he had a dog in him. And he went to Shannon and told Shannon all the mistakes he'd made and how he's going to change them. And then he starts uh, making Garoppolo look bad when Garoppolo tosses a ball, which is catchable ball for a good wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins would have caught that ball easy. Testing and try. And why didn't he try? Was he Is he worried about... There's no one even behind him. There's a guy behind him to the side. He wasn't going to get hit. Was he scurred? He was going to get hit. Then he'll play in the NFL. The way that he plays, and I think I've told you this before, he would get cut from a high school football team because he looks like he doesn't care. And like I know he cares. And I know we make fun of him because it's cats, but but it's like it's the perfect analogy because he plays like a cat. <laughs> you know? He, yeah, he is the anti-Debo. He just doesn't want to get touched. Don't touch him. It puts Grappler in a bad situation because, like, yeah, you're supposed to throw to your wide receivers. Do you really want to throw the ball to Pettis and a contested catch? Because guess what's going to happen? It's going to get picked. And you know it's going to happen. So, like, I, I guarantee you that he takes an extra second to look when he's just like, do I really want to throw this ball? Because I really don't feel like getting another ball picked. Yeah. And, like, it's just doing the team a disservice for even having him on the field. Whereas if he had his mind straight... And of course, that, that is exactly what would happen. You know, we would release him and the Seahawks would pick him up and then he'd be like a thousand yard water zero every year, of course, because all the Adderall, <laughs> the PD sunshine would be pouring down his throat. That's how that works. Yeah. But I'm pretty much done with him, to be honest with you. I mean, unless he steps up before, you know, Diva comes back. He's got two more weeks to, to show out. He's still going to be probably the the fourth option, you know, fourth option. And, and really, if you think about it, like the, the second like outside receiver option in terms of um, 
you know, second, third outside receiver because you can't really count. Trent Taylor is not going to take snaps away from him in terms of positioning necessarily. Funny thing is Trent Taylor's next on my list, and I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah. So hold on, just as a just as an aside, if if a cut was coming, um, he would be a six hundred eighty three thousand uh, dollar dead money hit and a cap savings of just over a million dollars. He has no more guaranteed money left on his on his contract, so you're just losing his his uh, prorated bonus uh, to cut him. Basically, yeah, I mean, three more weeks seems like a no brainer to me, personally, and that just makes me sad because I was and the way that he just turned on his rookie year, I was like, all right, this kid's gonna be able to play and. And then he tricked me again in the beginning of this season, but or not the beginning of the season, but beginning of the, of the uh, off season when he talked to Shanahan, and I really thought that the dog was coming out, but it ain't coming out. His time is limited, and you know, there's only there's only so much time that he's going to be given opportunities before they just have to pull the plug on him because he's not at C.J. Beathard love level for Shanahan, and Shanahan I think eventually will just cut ties with him if he just doesn't do anything like he's continued to not do anything for the last year or so. So. Are you having fun yet? Next, Trent Taylor. What happened to this guy? No, he's like this five foot seven, slow, what, you know, super small hands, white wide receiver, hard hat guy, you know, playing with his intelligence instead of, you know, like all all those stupid stereotypes, right? Why can't you find the first time around third down? He does realize they don't actually put the yellow line on the field, right? Because he kept running routes that were short of the first down marker. And, kept making Garoppolo throw balls that were high that would have been first downs if he was at the first down marker where he needed to be, and he wasn't. And then it's like, oh, Garoppolo's the worst. And then you know that that had something to do with the fact that he threw that ball a little bit late the last time because he's probably looking, like, he doesn't trust him. And I think that's a lot of what Garoppolo's issues are, despite the fact that he's his stats are still good somehow, is that, I mean, how can you trust his receivers? I mean, you can trust Kittle. And other than that, I mean, how do you trust any of these guys? If you can't trust Taylor, of all players, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, just not sure really. Maybe it was just coming back and having his first game out there. But it's just not stuff that he usually does. And he was nowhere near the middle of the field. He was all on the outside, like where he normally doesn't play. I don't know. I'm not really sure what they were trying to do with him. Yeah, maybe he only knows where the first down marker is when he's in the middle of the field running slants. But he sure doesn't know it when he's running outside routes and the Niners paid for it on a couple of occasions, including on the last play. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the reason why Grappolo, you know, sort of took that half extra second to throw the ball. But if it were me playing quarterback, I, I would question throwing the ball to Taylor at this point because I wouldn't trust him to be where he needs to be. And that's not what you want from your, you know, key number three wide receiver. So offensive line max protect does not mean, fake the outside zone, block nobody, and then stand there looking stupid while your quarterback gets sacked. I could not believe that play. And I, I'm assuming you, you know the play that I'm speaking of, where they're obviously faking the outside zone, and the outside pass rusher on that side just blew by McGlinchey so badly that Moster had to like stop and, and block him. And I'm like, there's only one guy to block. Like, there's, It's only one. And like we had like three guys running after him. And then other than that, you know, we have a uh, Kittle coming across the formation to, you know, block somebody that may, may be there, may not be there. And suddenly he has two guys to block and everyone else on the offensive line is just standing there. And they're just like, I've never seen a team have an offensive line 
with so many offense linemen who are just chilling, maybe looking for someone to block, maybe not, while the quarterback just runs for his life and eventually gets like pummeled by the defense. And I mean, that, that was what originally got me on Garland because he does it all the time. He like snaps the ball and then like, you know, Grabble gets sacked and then he blocks somebody. It's like, good job, bro. <laughs> but I'm sure PFF will give you a good grade for that because nobody ran up the middle or whatever. But the play is not over until the whistle is blown. So if your quarterback has the ball, why don't you go over there and block somebody? Stop standing there. The whistle has not been blown. Go do something. I mean, they can't all be that lazy. You can't have like five guys just stand, you know stand there being lazy, but they just don't know what to do. Maybe it's a coaching problem there too as well. So I'm, I'm definitely sick of that. Like when Jimmy gets sacked, I want everyone trying to help him and like block for him. And that's not too much to ask. And, you know, blocking for your running backs is probably a good idea too because he didn't do a very good job of that either. And that's about it because as far as the refs, we talked about that. And then Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have any socks. So I have a question for you. What? Am I still here? Yeah. Yeah, you paying attention? Am I, am I part of this still? Yeah. Yes, you're a key part of this. I'm just making sure. Why does the media hate Garoppolo? I don't know. Um, and I'll let you think about it. All right, so we have an NFL that's full of players with long rap sheets, including domestic violence against wives, girlfriends, children, failed drug tests. And I'm not even talking about like mental st- instability, like Alton Smith's and bomb threats and stuff like that. Why is Jimmy Garoppolo the most hated player in the NFL by the sports media? It's is that actually true? I mean, that feels a little excessive, but who do they hate more? I feel like it's true because look at the coverage of him last playoffs. I look at the coverage of him this week. And it's every media outlet, Jimmy G sucks. Garoppolo sucks. He's holding the team back. It's all Jimmy's fault. It's even the local outlets. I'm like, I'm like, some of these local guys, like, you guys should watch the game, right? He did definitely did not have his best performance. But if you look at his stats and if you watch the game, yeah, did he miss some plays? Yeah, like every quarterback does pretty much. Um, did Kyler Murray miss some throws? A whole lot more. It's not even close. And suddenly Kyler Murray is like the second coming and Garoppolo, I mean, it's like Garoppolo is, all, is the problem. And I'm like, okay, so we're, are we just not taking into account that he has no other throw to the ball to? So we can just take a, take a look at you know Garoppolo's stats versus Murray's stats. And my favorite is PFF because I don't know what, Whoever PFF have assigned to watch the Niners game and grade Garoppolo, I don't know what Garoppolo maybe like dated the guy's sister or something because I, I don't know. But the guy hates Garoppolo, the guy or girl, whoever it is, because they just like trashed him and it's just it's it's like incoherent how poorly they rated him compared to the way that he played and the production that he had. So Garoppolo yards per attempt seven point eight. Oh, that's horrible. Passer rating, 103. Adjusted yards per attempt, which is probably like the best, you know, if you're going to pick one stat for quarterback, that's probably the best one. He ranked sixth of all quarterbacks in week one at 9.1. No interceptions, no touchdowns, no fumbles. Could he have been better? Yes, absolutely. He could have been better. But then you look at Kyler Murray. Adjusted yards per attempt, 5.1. Instead of 9.1. Passer rating, 78. Instead of 103. 
The 5.1, by the way, is 29th in the league. 25th in the league for his 78 passer rating, which is horrible. <laughs> and he's 29th in the league with a 5.8 yards per attempt. So we have four fewer adjusted yards per attempt. We have what, over 25 points in passer rating, and we have two yards per attempt uh, difference uh, between the two quarterbacks. And somehow Murray is in the middle of the pack and Garoppolo is like at the bottom, way down there at the bottom. <laughs> like we're, we're talking about a 49.8 passing grade. We're not talking, you know, nothing to do with, you know, Kyler Murray's uh, rushing ability, but a 49.8 passing grade, the third worst passer of last week. And yes, I watched the tape of Garoppolo and a lot of really bad quarterbacks last week. Who in their right mind can tell me that Jimmy Garoppolo was the third worst quarterback from a passing standpoint in the league or last week? It doesn't make any sense. Like, did they accidentally put him in the wrong column or something? Here's a great example of how it doesn't make any sense. Take a look at Ryan Fitzmagic. He has his magical days and his not-so-magical days. Well, he left his top hat in his uh, rabbit home, I guess, because (laughs) he had a passer rating of 44.6. Tossed the grand total of 191 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks. An adjusted net yards per attempt of 1.9. 1.9. He had a 52 PFF passing grade compared to Garoppolo's 49.8. 10% of his throws were intercepted. He threw no touchdowns. It doesn't make any sense. You can watch those games and were both quarterbacks good? No, I don't, I don't think so. Fitzmagic was horrible. And Garoppolo was struggling with a really, really poor receiving core. And then after losing, you know, Kittle, really not much of a tight end squad either. And he's basically just throwing the ball to his running backs. So that's the only, the only people who could catch the ball. So he's just put in such a horrible situation and still came out with sixth in the league in adjusted yards per attempt, and then you're somehow ranking him below a guy who just had, you know, one of the worst. I mean, actually, for him, that's actually not one of the worst performances in his career, but Garoppolo's never had a day like that in his career. Never. Like, not even close. He's never had a game that's been as bad as Fitzmagic had last week. And and somehow, you like, th- these two things are not the same. And I'm, I'm just sick of hearing that he's the problem. Like, he is not the problem on this team. And it's evidenced by the wins and his numbers and the stats and the game film and everything. I don't know what it's going to take for the media to realize that he is not the problem. Is he Joe Montana or Steve Young? No. Was he playing like them in 2017? Yes. Did he take a step back, you know, his second year and then getting injured and then trying to uh, get back on track last year. Yeah, a little bit of a, uh, a step back. He wasn't playing at a literal Hall of Fame level like he was at the end of 2017, because he was. I mean, he was the best quarterback in football, and it wasn't even close. So was he the best quarterback in football last year? No. Is he the worst quarterback in football? Of course not. So why on every talk show and on every article, it's like it's all his fault. It's, it's his problem. That was the extensive monologue for me to say and to allow you the time to <laughs> comment on why he is hated so much. It's actually like a, a serious question. Like, I don't know if it's a, it's because he's not Kaepernick thing and they want Kaepernick 
and they want him to fail. But the Niners sucked before Grappler came to town. And when Grappler was injured, the Niners sucked. <laughs> and when Grappler's in there, the Niners are good. And they go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just so simple. And everything backs it up. But how does like pretty much everybody in the media not see it that way? I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess people just have the, you know, their biases, the things that they want to accomplish. And I, I, yeah. I don't know. I guess that's the only way to really think about it. I don't know if it's just like laziness, but I think it's beyond that because, you know, you, you get someone who would step up against the grain and be like, hey, maybe it's not this guy's fault. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe you could have thrown that ball up to Bourne a little bit farther. Could have been a touchdown. But did he throw it before or after? Porn made his move because I don't know if NFL would ever get to their game pass. I can see it. It'd be nice to see, but I'm assuming he threw that ball before he knew what Peterson was going to do when he was covering him. So is that the easiest play in the world? I mean, if you listen to anyone who's analyzing the game over the last couple of days, they just said that it's total failure on his part. And then even Shanahan too, he needs to realize how everyone's coming down on his quarterback and he's not going to get to be with his first love, Kirk Cousins. Sorry, Shanny, you're just not going to. So you're going to have to deal with Garoppolo. And that just sucks for you that you have to deal with a quarterback who's so much better than, than the guy that you really want. But he's got to do a little bit less of throwing him under the bus too. And, and stop saying that your wide receivers were open. You know, like, yeah, I mean, guys like Trent Taylor were open on third down. Just nowhere near the sticks. Yeah, could Gravel have been a lot better? Could he have won that game? Yes. Did he? No. Was that game his fault? I mean, if it was his fault, it was Shanahan's fault 100 times. So take some responsibility and protect your quarterback because even when you make an offhanded comment, that turns into, oh, now Shanahan is commenting on how bad Garoppolo is and that all his throws were inaccurate when you actually read the transcript and he's like, well, you know, he could have done a little bit better, could have not. But if you just read the titles of these articles that are summarizing it, it's like, oh, well, Shanahan says Garoppolo sucks. I mean, and that's the conclusion they're coming to. It's just too much. And it's it's one thing if just the media is being lazy. And I think it's beyond that because it, it seems like it's a concerted effort. And I don't know if it's happening thing or not. And if it is, it really shouldn't be because it's not fair to Garoppolo. And just call it like it is. And if Garoppolo sucks in the game and he sucks in games, then call it out. But he didn't suck in this game. He was given a horrible situation and he still had a 103 quarterback rating <laughs> and didn't turn the ball over and kept the ball moving and hit his receivers or threw the ball to where his receivers should have been to get first downs and they weren't there and had Shanahan not go for it five times when he should have. So who do you really want to blame? I mean, it's easy for Shanahan because he's got the mic, so blame anyone but himself, but that's not what leaders do. So that's all I have to say about that. Is that, is that really all you'd have to say about it? <laughs> yeah, I feel a little bit better. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, you're going to feel a lot better when you have to edit this thing later. <laughs> I'm leaving it all in. <laughs> I, I believe you. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think certainly a lot of this is is the whole, like, and I'll, I'll say only this, and you're not allowed to comment on it. I, I, think, I'll say a word. I think the 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 hate is mostly that he needs so he doesn't receive the help. And so I think that counts against him for whatever reason. 
um, that because he needs the help, that that somehow makes him like less, um, even if it's even that that's not even if that's not true. Uh, but I think that's if I had to guess, that would be my that would be my my thought. That's the um, that is the thing that is sort of holding him back from from being raised up is the fact that he needs so much help and people look at that as some sort of weakness. That would be my, my only thought. So anywho, um, I don't really have anything else to, to add because you said a lot of things there. Um, and you talked about the things that I was going to talk about. So let's just <laughs> move on. We're done. We're done talking about these stupid Arizona Cardinals until week 17 or whatever it is that we play them again. Um, I think that's, right. I think that's right. Uh, no week 16, week 16, the second to last week of the season. Uh, hope, so. hope he's uh, where he can get some socks by then. So, yeah, I think he will. It'll be a lot. It'll be, well, it'll be in Arizona, so it won't be that cold to be inside. But anyway, um, let's move on to next week's game. And, uh, the next week's game, uh, features the 49ers traveling to sunny New Jersey because they're not in New York. I don't care what you say, uh, for the first of two straight games at MetLife stadium, um, first to take on the New York J E T S jets, jets, jets. So, um, at the risk of, of losing, uh, this conversation completely, uh, Chris, <laughs> what do the 49ers need to do to, to avoid an O and two start in your mind? They need to game plan for their opponent. Like it's a regular season game. And, you know, like an NFL caliber wide receiver would be nice, but, Christmas doesn't come for another couple months. So if the Niners can't manage that, uh, maybe they could just play all their running backs at wide receiver and let the wide receivers play corner, maybe, since we don't have any of those, and just tell them to cover the guy the quarterback keeps throwing it to. And I honestly think that would work out better than it worked out last week. It really would be a vast improvement. So good thing is they don't really have any good players to throw it to, although they have one player who, if you don't cover at all, that will eat you for lunch, but you know, he has an NFL caliber wide receiver, but they don't have Le'Veon Bell to face because he is on IR. So that is a positive for the Niners, not a positive for Le'Veon, obviously, but hopefully Le'Veon gets better. And I do not have any shares of him on any of my fantasy teams because I'm not stupid, but still it sort of sucks not having him around because he's, he's fun to watch when he's not playing the Niners. So other than that, the Jets have, I think the only guy they have is Jameson Crowder, right? Maybe some white guys. Am I missing somebody? Nope, that's pretty much it. Um, Mims, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. is is also on the IR. Uh, just as a point of reference, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they have, don't they have Perryman to it as well. I mean, maybe, but that might be the number two. So maybe we are getting into a situation here <laughs> where, like, oh gracious, we're in trouble. I, although Tyler Boyd does better than Crowder, I, <laughs> I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, they have uh, Brashard Perriman and Chris Hogan are are their other two receivers. Just as a, it's on the side. So bad quarterback, and they have bad offensive line, and they have a slot receiver who's not really that good. He's like a two B, maybe something like that. But if you totally ignore an NFL wide receiver too, he will still be good enough to move the chains. So you need to pay attention to him. I mean, you can't just ignore him. But the Niners normally play well against wide receiver twos, but I'm sort of scared that they don't have anybody else on the roster who can do anything. So hopefully Salah just doesn't make a point and not cover him at all. So you'd think on defense it would be easy. Pressure Donald and hope the refs don't let 
the Jets offensive line, just tackle all your pass rushers and you should be good to go. I feel like the defensive plan is simple enough for a solid to grasp, but we'll see. And then on offense, it's equally simple. Number one, block. <laughs> I know Shannon really accepts run the ball and you didn't really let him run the ball too much last week and you got mad. Maybe that's why he took it out in Garoppolo. I don't know. But if you block, then we could just give the ball to Mostert a lot and then all things would be good. He can run as fast as he did last week. I guess he's the the 49ers once again have the fastest ball carrier in the NFL through straight years. I guess he was faster than both of Breeders runs the last two years. Get the ball into Mostert's hands and in some, some way possible and blocking them would help that. And then Please give Garoppolo some viable receiving options. Or if you can't do that because you don't have any on your team, then game plan some receivers open. Because like Shanahan did time and time again last year is put Garoppolo in horrible third down situations and make him bail him out. And Garoppolo did over and over and over. And that's something that the media totally ignored. Like I've never even heard that Garoppolo's a good third down quarterback from anybody. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard it from out of anyone's lips other than mine. So it's time for Shanahan to earn maybe like a tenth of his pay in what should be like a simple cakewalk victory for a team that went to the Super Bowl last year against the Jets. And if the 49ers lose this one, I'm going to talk about nothing but Moster's agent and Tyson Hill <laughs> next week, all podcast. I, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even going to show up for the podcast if they lose next week because there wouldn't even be a point in me being there. That's 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 how I feel about that. So you better hope that they win. I, I I'm hoping that they win for for so many reasons. But <laughs> if they lose this game, uh, I don't even know. Dude. Yeah, let's not. Hey, we're not gonna just leave it alone. Well, you know, no no premature anger at something that hasn't happened. Um, win, win 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 win. Yeah, win. absolutely, hundred percent. Um. So yeah, Sam Darnold is the quarterback of this team, supposedly. Uh, not particularly good. He has struggled uh, as a NFL player, pretty much out of the out of the box. Hey, you wanna you wanna hear something? Hmm? Are you mad about Garoppolo's PFF grade from last week? Do you want to hear Sam Darnold's PFF grade from last week? I think was it was he like the worst? Thirty seven point two. Ooh, how do you even do that? That's really bad. Um. Yeah, um, including a forty point two passer grade, passing grade, which, in all honesty, is the only one that really matters when you are the quarterback. Um, <laughs> he's had a rough go of it. His offensive line is kind of uh, suspect, even though they spent a, I think their their first round draft pick on a tackle. There's some definite holes uh, in front of him. Probably not helped by the fact that George Fant is on his offensive line, uh, a name that we know from dealing with the Seahawks over the last number of years, and uh, so that's you know that's good news for the for the 49ers. And as you mentioned, his uh, skilled guys are sort of uh, you know low level number two and three guys across the board um, at best. Uh, Jamison Crowder, good player, but you know if he's if he's your your number one option, it's probably not not going to bode well for your team. Um, the, the cool thing for, uh, for, for 49ers fans is with uh, Le'Veon Bell being out, as you mentioned, um, that means that uh, Frank Gore gets to play against his old team for the first time since he left uh, a couple of years ago. So, um, oh, wow. So, so yeah, so for, forget everything I said, they do have two, two viable targets. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. 37 year old Frank Gore, I believe uh, he is now, which is just crazy. Um, Oh man, man. 
uh, it would be, be great if he was uh, playing in front of a Levi's crowd yeah. because that crowd would just go nuts. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, frankly, there's just there's just not a lot of not a lot of good things to say about this football team. There, uh, not to mention, all I have to do is say the word Adam Gase, and that should be just enough to to you. you I mean, imagine how frustrated you are. Can you imagine how angry Jets fans are all the time? Especially since Adam Gase <laughs> yeah. has been in town. But at least, at least with Gase, you know what you're getting. You know, with, with Chance, it's like who knows? Like maybe today will be a great day. Maybe today will be like I don't know. Like I need a lot more caffeine than I and to than I drank this morning. And to think the Niners almost hired him um, several years ago, and uh, he has had yeah, two jobs. He has had yeah. two jobs in that time frame. I just want to point that out. Like this is the second job that he's gotten since the 49ers didn't hire him and he went to Miami. So, you know, there you go. Um, yeah. I think as long as, as long as the 49ers don't, you know, implode like completely or self-sabotage themselves, they're going to be fine. I think this week. Um, so with that, let's move into our predictions uh, so we can sort of, move nicely into this next thing. Um, so this uh, Jets team, as we've both kind of alluded to, is B-A-D, bad, bad, bad. If, yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's uh, it's my, my clever dad joke for the day. Um, they were getting blown out by a, a pretty decent uh, Bills team, uh, although it looks like the Bills kind of took their their foot off the gas a little late later in the game because they just didn't um, – they only ended up winning the, the game by, by, uh, by 10 points when it was all said and done. So that is something that the 49ers have to really make sure that they don't they don't allow to happen uh, this week. They they just can't just cannot let the Jets kind of in this game. This has kind of got to be one, you know, very similar to the the Cincinnati win last year, where they just walked in and said, "We're better than you, and we're going to destroy you." Good luck um, and and happy bowling or something like that. And uh, just kind of walk in and just just smash them all over their own their own stadium. I think that's that's the thing they got to do. It'll help get the team back on track. It'll help get everybody's mind right and uh, uh, hopefully kick off a stretch of of a bunch of very winnable, very very uh, kind of softer schedule games over the next couple of weeks. So I am going to go uh, 49ers win by many points. I got 31 10 because I'm feeling uh, frisky today. So, Chris, what do you think? You're like the anti-me. You were the person I want to be when I grow <laughs> up. Don't we all? Positive. Yeah, I like it. All right. So this game, yeah, I, re- I really wish that they were allowing fans in fans in the stands in New Jersey because it's not that far of a drive for me. And I usually go to these games, but I shall not be going because they not allowing people to go, which I understand because it's, it's close enough to New York and New York is somewhat problematic in all things COVID. But, um, and, you know, one thing that no one ever uh, commented on, but so I, I assume that it is true, that MetLife Stadium looks like one big air conditioning unit. Can we all agree <laughs> about that? I don't know that I've ever noticed that, but maybe. I said that late in one of my many long monologues, <laughs> and I, I, I told people to at me if they they thought different, but I guess they didn't listen that far into the episode. But yes, it does look like a, a giant AC unit, especially like in person. So the Niners will be playing in that AC unit twice in the next two weeks, and hopefully we'll come. Well, first things first, have it have it one one win, and have it just don't look like crap like we did last week. So the line started out at four, 
the Niners, which was scurry for me. And it was a over-under of 43 and a half. So I was like, oh, this is not good. I'm like, what, what do they know that we don't? So a lot of the sharp betting is still coming on the Jet side, which is sort of surprising. But the line's gone up to seven just because just looking at these two teams doesn't make any sense as to why it's a competition. You know, so a lot of the what do they call them? the the non sharp money the dumb money the, uh, the I don't know <laughs> the, the well rounded money the um, the amateur money is coming in on the uh, on, on the uh, on the Niners and the line has dropped so those are two good things of course the sharp money coming on the other side is not good but so but it's now forty two and a half so let's see that would be twenty five to eighteen which is not going to happen <laughs> just like my prediction for last week is not going to happen. Instead, I will go with a 27 to 17, and I will include Shanahan being in the red zone twice and being in a position where he should go for it, but instead he kicks the field goal that he loves so much and keeps the Jets sort of close-ish within 10 points, but just keeps him from an entire blowout, but the Niners still win fairly comfortably, and I can keep whatever sanity I have remaining when we and until at least we play the Giants next week, and then <laughs> all bets are off. Oh, Chris, 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 Chris! Never a dull moment. I don't like our, losing. I know, I know, I know. I don't it's like gonna it. Be, it's going to be okay. It's it's going to be okay. At least, Somebody hold me. Well, you you have a wife for that. It's it's yeah. time for that. So you anyway, my do- you my dog like left. Oh, maybe maybe your dog will love you. In this particular situation, that's that's what I got for you, man. Um, so, <laughs> with that, uh, two options. <laughs> with that, yes, uh, on we move. So, uh, thanks again, as always, for listening to uh, another episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcasting Network. As always, uh, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis, and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course. We would certainly appreciate it if you would share the podcast with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.